We're starting a new series, okay? And this series is about beloved and being beloved. And so the title of the entire series is Beloved. And today, the kind of point that I want to be driving home with you guys is I want you guys tonight to personally claim your belovedness. So you and I, we live in a world that tells us that we're unlovable. This leaves us wondering, am I truly loved? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever asked yourself, am I loved? Have you ever thought that if people knew every single detail, if people knew your thoughts, if people knew what you do behind their backs, if your parents knew every single thing about you, would they love you? Would your teachers? Would your coaches? Anyone in here ever feel like you have to put a mask on when you're around your friends? You have to put a mask on with your coaches. You have to put a mask on with your parents. I know that I have felt that way. And oftentimes, I always feel like I'm putting a mask on. And I have different masks, one for my family, one for my sports, one for my school, right? And over time, I just get tired of putting them on. And sometimes it just gets really messy and they get stuck all together and I get caught in my lies. I get caught in my fakeness. It starts coming out. Who I am on social media is completely different than who I am um, with my family, right? What I post online is different than what I say in my um, private messages, in my text messages. So I want you guys to imagine something with me. We're going to paint this image of a courtroom today. All right, I want you to picture the seats and the pews. I want you to picture a giant um, desk, a huge, um, beautiful wooden desk um, that sits high up. And there sits a man in a cloak, um, and usually an elderly man um, or elderly woman in a cloak with gray hairs who shows lots of wisdom, who has a lot of years behind them. And that's the judge sitting there. And there's their mantle, okay, and their hammer to hammer down the law. I want you to imagine the two sides. One side is the defendant, the one being accused. One side is the one who's guilty. On the other side is the prosecution. It's the people hurling the accusation saying, you are guilty, okay? I want you to imagine this scene. And then I want you to put yourself as the defendant, as the guilty. So this means that in this imagination, in this story, you are on trial. And the reason why you're on trial in this story is because you have been caught in your sin. You have been caught in the in-between of taking one mask off and putting another one on. You've been found out. Your lies have been found out. Your parents saw what you did online. Have you ever been in that moment? Your teachers saw what you did when you cheated on that test. Have you ever been in that moment? You are on trial because you have sinned. You have done things that you wish you never did. You have regrets. I have regrets. You have torn people down with your words. You've cursed people with your mouth. You've stolen, you've cheated, and you've broken relationships. And most importantly, by doing all these things, you have severed, broken, cut a relationship that you should have with God, your life-giving relationship with God. So here's the trial. It's set up, and the answer And the setup to find the answer, to discover the answer to this question, are you loved with all your mess, with all your sin, with the multiple masks that you put on? Are you loved? So the prosecutor, who's the one accusing you, 
who, who's the one who knows everything about you. He knows everything that you've done. And you're nervous because he's about to tell. He's about to say these words. He's about to speak these sentences that convict you, that nail you to justice. He's about to share to the courtroom all your sins, even the secret sins that you have promised to yourself that you would never tell anyone. And you begin to wonder to yourself right now, as you're sitting there in that courtroom, you wondered this question, after this trial, will anyone love me? You begin to wonder, what's your punishment going to be? You begin to wonder what the judge is going to think of you. What will his judgment be? And I want you guys to know that in this analogy, in this story that we're setting up, the judge is God. The judge is God who created you, who knows all things. And in the Bible, in God's scripture, it says, we will be judged by God. And so you wonder, after all these accusations are spoken out loud and God himself hears them, you wonder if he will even love you after this trial. You're sitting here in that room in this moment. If you've ever been caught cheating, if you've ever been caught doing something you shouldn't do, you know how that feels to be on trial. That's the feeling that you should have in this story, in this moment. And so the trial begins. And this is the case that the prosecutor, that the accuser brings against you. These are the words he says. These are the words he says to me, Michael Puckett. He says, here standing before you, oh great judge, is Mikey Puckett. He is a nobody. He has average skill sets. He has nothing that he can contribute to society. There are so many other people out there that can do more than him. And he is cursed. Everything he touches crumbles. His daughter passed away. She was born with a handicap. He struggles with addictions. He can't defeat his sin. He couldn't rescue his daughter from the death that was coming. He couldn't save her. He failed her as a dad. He deserves to be cursed. Dads are supposed to protect their kids. Judge, he doesn't matter either. People don't like him. There are so many other people in this world that are way more likable, who have way more followers on Facebook and Instagram. They have more money than him, more influence than him. They have an awesome car, and he drives a Honda Accord. You can laugh at that. They have a perfect body, and he, well, he is poor. His body is ugly. He has no money. He annoys people. His friends don't invite him to hang out. He gets left out. When he's around people, they forget about him. They don't see him. He has broken his wife's heart, the person he loves the most. He has hurt the feelings of his children. He has been a coward. He talks trash about people. He doesn't care about them. He pretends to, but he doesn't. He disappointed his parents. He let them down. He bullied his siblings. He watched bullies pick on other kids in his class, and he just let it happen. He has been depressed. He gets angry, and he yells. He is stupid. He is immature. He's a failure, and he is forgettable. And most of all, he, Michael Puckett, is unlovable. Who can possibly love him? Have you ever heard words like this spoken in your life have you ever heard words like this that have been spoken it's like they're inside of you you have a voice inside of you that speaks these against you it's like when you look in the mirror and all of a sudden you say that's ugly that's ugly i hate this part i hate that part have you ever had that 
Have you ever heard those voices? What does the voice say? What are the accusation it makes? Does it make you feel unloved? Have you felt unlovable before? Does it make, it make you feel like life is meaningless? Is there any meaning? Does it make you hate yourself? Does it make you reject yourself? And does it leave you wondering, could anyone possibly love me? So we're going to follow the analogy through. The prosecutor, whatever that voice has said, he has spoken that out loud. The voice that you hear on the side, he spoke those words on the outside. And let's say after the prosecutor finishes speaking, the judge takes his eyes from the prosecutor and he points it at you. He looks directly at you. God looks at you. He sees everything. And you feel scared in that moment because you know he has every right to bring judgment on you, to curse you. He has every right to send you to prison to hell. The judge asks you this question, what is your defense? And so you look at the judge with this blank, cold stare. You feel like crying. You feel exposed. You know that all what was spoken is true deep down inside your heart. You begin to mutter and stummer over your words, stutter over your words. You say, judge, all that has been said truly is true. I have no defense. And then the judge says these words to you. Listen closely. The case that has been made against you, you do deserve a life spent without love. You deserve that. Truly, who can possibly love you? And the room goes silent. It's quiet. You feel in that moment as if you've been crushed. You know that it is all true. It is so painful It is so unbearable. Then he looks straight in in your eyes and he says these words. But child, I love you. I love you. And then the judge begins to make a case for why you are lovable. He says these words. These words are stolen straight from scripture. I will reference scripture as I read them to you. I want you to listen. This is the most important thing spoken tonight. This is what God, the judge in this scene, God says about you. He says this, I chose you before the foundation of the world was made. Ephesians 1.4. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah 1.5. I formed your inward parts. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I intricately weaved you together in the depths of the earth. And I saw you when you were unformed. And I've written all your days out. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. I call you by name. I redeem you. I am with you. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. I've numbered the hairs on your head. Luke 12, 7. You belong to me. 1 Corinthians 3, 23. I've tattooed you on the palm of my hands. Isaiah 49, 16. I sing over you. Zephaniah 3, 17. You are my child. You are my beloved. Romans 9, 25 through 26, you are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. Isaiah 43, 4. 
God's spoken word written down on paper that all of you possess in the Bible. Do you know that book is a love letter to you? The pages are full of I love you, I love you, I love you, I chose you, I redeemed you, I knew you, I knew you before you even had a conscience. I knew your parents, I knew your grandparents, I knew everything, I know everything that is coming, that is happening, I wrote it all down. I'm your God, I'm your Father, I love you. And from the cry of the courtroom, the prosecutor objects. He says, prove it, prove it. It's nice to say all those things, but prove it. Judge that you love Michael Puckett, that you love these children. Prove it. And the judge pauses, and he looks at the sheriff in the room, and he says, bring him in. The sheriff leaves the courtroom. A few minutes pass by in silence. Then all of a sudden, the courtroom doors open. You hear shackles rustling. A man clothed in orange prison clothes with shackles on his hands and on his feet and holes through his wrists and through his ankles. A crown of thorns resting on his head. He stands in the courtroom before the judge and before you. And the judge then looks at you and he zeroes in on the prosecutor. And the judge says these words, this here is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, Matthew 3, 17. He raised the dead to life in John 11. He healed the blind in Matthew 9. He cast out demons in Matthew 8. He created all things in John 1, but he was despised, afflicted, oppressed, victimized, abused, bullied, slaughtered, killed, and cut off Isaiah 53. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. Galatians 3.14. This is my proof. And then the judge stares at you. And hear these words tonight. Hear these words tonight. You need them. I need them. All these things were done for you so that you who are accused of not belonging, catch this, you who are accused of being unlovable, all these things were done for you by Jesus so that you can belong to me, so that you who are unlovable can become my beloved. Romans 9, 25. Will you let my son take your place? Will you let me love you? God is asking you that tonight. The man in the shackles is Christ, Jesus Christ. The judge is God the Father, and the punishment of our sin rests solely on Jesus. You are beloved because Jesus became unlovable. You guys are understanding this. He takes your place so that you can become beloved. But you have to claim Jesus. Claiming him is simply letting him in to your life. Will you let him take your place? Will you let yourself be loved? Like I said, we live in a world that says that you are unlovable, that you're dirty, you're unclean, that you don't belong. And this leaves us wondering, can it be possible for us ever to be loved? And God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's heard the accusations. He's seen it play out in real life. He's seen you over and over cheat on him. He's seen you over and over hate him. He's seen you over and over curse him. He's seen you over and over run from him. And he knows that deep down you truly do hate yourself. 
He knows that deep down you're going, what you're going through. And he looks upon you and says, I love you. And you say to him, prove it. You say, prove it. And he says, look at Jesus. This is my proof. He was nailed on a cross, died so that you can become mine. This is who you are. You're the beloved of God. So how do you claim this? You're like, man, I want this. I want to know. I want to be the beloved. I want belovedness. This is what you do. Confess your sin. Hear the accusation said. Listen to that inner voice speak against you. Say, you're right. I am all those things. I've done all those things. They're all true. I'm wrong. I've sinned. You're right. But don't stop there. Don't stop there because what you must do next is you must receive his forgiveness and say, I am wrong, but Jesus is perfect. I look to him and not to me. When the prosecutor accuses you, you say, I am loved. And he says, prove it. And you say, because of Jesus, I am beloved. He says, prove it because of Jesus. That's what you say to that voice. And you listen to the truth. You read the Bible. After tonight, I'm going to hand you scripture that says you are the beloved of God. Put this in your Bible. Put this in your notebook. Read over it. Memorize it. Know it. These are the truths that you need to know in order to walk through this life. I remember when I proposed to Emily. I'd been dating Emily for two years. I was in love with her. I was crazy about her. She was the apple of my eye. I wanted her to know. I wanted her to see herself the way I saw her. I wanted her to know that she was my beloved. So I did the bravest thing I've ever done. I told her that I loved her. That's really scary, guys. Really scary. I got on one knee, and then I did something even scarier. I asked her to marry me. I essentially asked her to receive my love. And in that moment, in that brief silence between my question and the response, I felt my heart beating out of my chest. I was giving her my life. I was asking her to give me her life all in 60 seconds. She had a choice. She could claim the love that was being offered, or she could turn away and say, dude, you suck. <laughs> Tonight, God gets on one knee. God proposes to you. He does something very brave. You don't even say, I love you. He says, I love you first. That's very brave. He says, you are my beloved. I give you my life. The question is, will you receive it? We're sitting in that moment right now, that 60 seconds, where he's on his knee, holding the ring, holding the promise, saying, I love you. Will you receive it? Will you say yes to your belovedness? Will you give him your life? He wants you and he loves you. You are God's beloved. Let's pray.